Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me once again on this lovely Wednesday evening. I have one more doctor's appointment tomorrow, and I think we're going to figure out if and when we should schedule that darn induction. Um, This baby is punching me as I speak and jumping up and down on my bladder, so I might have to cut it a little bit short if I feel like I really have to actually pee. One of the things I've noticed is that you feel a lot of pressure on your bladder, and typically that's associated with having to go pee, right? Obviously. When you're pregnant, that's not usually what it means. It just means that you're being tap danced on. So once you get used to that idea, it makes it a little easier and you don't feel like you have to go all the time. But I wanted to start tonight with some fun little cultural things that I came up with. Um, Matt Walsh was tweeting because he was commenting on body counts and this lady came at him. She's like, why does a married dude with six kids comment so much on single women's sex lives? Which is an interesting question and he has an interesting answer, as you might imagine. We're also going to listen to the tale of the man who heard the missing F-35 go down over his house. He has quite the tale. He is the hero we need and deserve, and you guys are going to like what he has to say. It is unforgettable. Username says, we're just glad you're here. I am too. I am too. And as long as this baby's happy, I will be happy with whatever happens. So uh, let's get into it tonight. It's going to be, I'm going to try to keep it light because it gets a little bit dark. Yeah, there's a lot going on and none of it's really good. So let's, let's, let's just try to have a little bit of fun with it. Okay, so this lady calling herself the political palm says, why does a married dude with six kids comment so much on single women's sex lives? Because he was talking about uh, how it's a problem societally for uh, women, especially to be promiscuous. And Matt responds, yes, why do I care about the state of society when I am married and have six kids? Very strange indeed. And I jumped in, of course, because I always do on Twitter. I cannot keep my mouth shut over there. And I said, yes, why would you, a man with six independent direct lines to the future for years to come, plus their future spouses and their future children and their future children's spouses and their future children's children, why would you care about the state of society as a whole? And this is actually something that I've already thought about too, because it's not just about my kids and trying to make them into good people. It's also being pragmatic about the fact that Our kids have to live in this society, okay? So the people that we think are crazy, yeah, our kids are going to have to grow up with their kids. We're going to be neighbors. They're going to be friends. They're going to work together. They're not going to be avoidable. They're going to do politics together down the road. And that is kind of troubling. Yeah. And Slater says, culture matters. Doesn't Doesn't matter what your family dynamic is. And I said, it kind of does when your kids have to grow up in this world. In my instance, I'm not just dealing with my own unborn kid. I have to keep in mind the kind of people they'll have to be exposed to when they're growing up slash looking for spouses too. So it absolutely matters. In fact, I think a man with six kids has especially a heavy, heavy interest in what goes on in the culture. And I'm glad Matt comments on this stuff. Hello, everyone. Hey, Weesper, Psycho Clown, Serenko. Welcome in. Happy to have you. But that's sobering enough. Let's look at this. This is fantastic. I don't know if you guys have seen this. If you have, too bad you're going to see it again. It's amazing no matter how many times you watch it. This is the witness to the F-35 crash. His name's Randolph White. He imitates what he heard when it went down. Hello, Carter. Welcome in. Let's see what he has to say. Normally, it's pretty quiet, but on Sunday afternoon... I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave. And I heard 
screeching. So between a screech and a whistle. I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom. Then my whole house shook. White says he didn't realize it was a plane at the time, so he didn't call anybody. That is amazing. I love it so much. And I think that he should absolutely make a living off that. You remember the guys who said, you remember the guy who went on the news and said, lock up your kids, lock up your wife? Yeah, same energy, same very, very charismatic kind of ridiculous outrageous approach really glad that he was one of the people who got to witness this crazy crash of this f-35 glad he didn't get hurt goodness gracious (laughs) carter says damn yes yes carter wishes he could make those noises but he can't (laughs) haha But yeah, I just wanted to share that with you guys because it was, in fact, a bright spot in my day. Um, everything else, super, super depressing. So let's get right into that, see if we can get it over with. Uh, hopefully somewhat relatively painless. There is some brightness, but we'll break it down. It'll be fine. It's going to be all right, whatever happens. <laughs> this is from Stephen Miller, who you may remember. He used to work with the Trump administration. He worked on the immigration, if I recall correctly. And his comment on this, and I'm going to read you that tweet too, says the DHS is trying to censor you while fighting in court to protect the personal privacy of criminal illegal trespassers. I don't think he puts that exactly right. The DHS is pushing back against a suit by America First Legal, which is Stevens Foundation, to reveal info on illegal immigrants eyed for enforcement, including gang cartel and terror ties with DHS claiming it could seriously invade personal privacy without serving the public interest. Holy crap. Holy crap. Wow. So let's read this article from Fox. DHS refuses to release data on illegal immigrants, cartel ties, citing privacy concerns. Wow. Don't you wish that they had privacy concerns about American citizens? Because I don't think they do. Okay, so the headline is DHS refuses to release data on illegal immigrants cartel ties, citing, quote, privacy concerns. The case is related to ICE's arrest and deportation priorities. I, when I stop and think about what exactly the Biden administration has done with our southern border, I honestly don't know what to make of it because it's so unbelievable to me that we just decided to open this up. We told Texas to remove all their impediments in the Rio Grande. We told Arizona to get rid of their um, storage box or their their um, their like rail box cars, rail car boxes or whatever. They told them they could not have those. So even a makeshift wall has to come down. And now they're saying we're not even going to investigate if these people are actually criminals because it could violate their privacy. This is a good time to remind you that they want to know where your $600 Venmo transaction is going. And they're not worried about your damn privacy. They are going to follow you on social media and end your life over it. And we will be talking about Russell Brand going into it. And we're going to be talking about all of the ways that the government is already invading your privacy. And they do not care at all because they have a goal to achieve. And it seems like they have a goal to achieve here as well that requires them not violating the privacy of actual terrorists and cartel members. So let's read. The Biden administration is pushing back by a demand by a conservative legal group that reveals 
information about illegal immigrants being considered for arrest and deportation, including their terror cartel and gang affiliations, arguing that, among other concerns, it could violate their privacy rights. All the people who illegally entered the United States might have to sacrifice some of their privacy so that we can make sure that they're not actually going to kill American citizens who did nothing wrong to deserve it. America First Legal in 2021 filed a Freedom of Information Act request for weekly reports of proposed enforcement actions submitted by Immigration Customs Enforcement officers to headquarters before they could arrest or deport those illegal immigrants. This approval process took effect with the implementation of new guidance from DHS, which narrowed ICE priorities to focusing on recent border crossings, public safety threats, and national security threats. Information in those weekly reports includes names, addresses, visa information, and any gang, cartel, or terror affiliations. In its document production to AFL, DHS significantly redacted much of the personal identifying information. AFL has challenged this in a U.S. district court, and DHS is in turn seeking to have that denied. I hope they lose. ICE complied with the spreadsheet report for law enforcement purposes and disclosure of non-citizens' names, court case numbers, A numbers, and other identifying numbers. Dates of birth, residential addresses, gang, cartel, and terrorist group affiliations, and monikers would seriously invade personal privacy without serving the public interest in understanding ICE's operations, the agency argued in an August court filing. Stop. Are you seriously saying that knowing whether someone is affiliated with the gang, the cartel, or actual literal ISIS would not serve the public interest in understanding ISIS operations because it kind of seems like it might. Call me crazy. U.S. properly ICE properly withheld gang cartel and terrorist group affiliation of non-citizens under Exemption 7C because disclosure would invade non-citizens' personal privacy without any countervailing public interest, it said, addressing the affiliation specifically. This is making my blood boil. But in a court filing on Friday, AFL pushed back against those arguments, saying ICE had not identified any such law enforcement technique that would be impl- implicated, and arguing that the records were created for political, not law enforcement purposes. It also argued that the public's right to know about the potential gang ties of those in the approval process outweighed privacy rights that the, of the immigrants involved. Yes. Duh. How much privacy do you th- do you guys think that non-citizens should get, especially ones who illegally cross the southern border? Because I personally don't think they deserve much. I think if you decide to come over to this country and break our laws in the process, you should be prepared for ridiculous scrutiny. Because why wouldn't you? You're breaking our laws. You shouldn't even be here. But somehow, our own agencies think that you have a right to privacy so that none of us here have any way of knowing if you're literally tied to the cartel or gangs or actually terrorist groups. That's a head scratcher. I find myself shocked. I'm pretty cynical, but that's really amazing. The simple fact is that every single crime they commit is a crime they wouldn't have happened if our immigration laws were enforced, and the privacy interests of cartel members and gang members can never outweigh the need for the American people to know what is happening in their own country. Yes. The administration has faced significant legal challenges over its ICE enforcement, with the Supreme Court ultimately deciding in the administration's favor this year over a major case challenging the guidelines after states challenged it on the basis that it led to a sharp drop in deportations. DHS says it does not comment on pending litigation. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who should be impeached, 
said when the case was decided that the guidelines have been effectively applied by ICE officers to focus limited resources and enforcement actions on those who pose uh, their resources, those who pose a threat to our national security, public safety, and border security. So just nothing. Nothing. That's all he ever says. Mayorkas says nothing. And I don't know if you guys saw this video of this train heading, I think it was north, heading to the U.S. This is crazy to me. Let's see if we can watch it. I don't want to watch an ad, but thank you, Fox. That's annoying. I hate ads. Let's see. Purple Council President Brandon almost makes you feel like we have to do what they're doing or plan to do in Italy. A blockade. A little bit different, of course, when you're talking about, you know, a landlocked border here. But I'm just wondering, uh, what do you think of the way Italy is dealing with this? Well, I think that what they're doing is absolutely uh, astonishing. I, th I think that when you look at this liberal government recognizing how bad this issue is, the people of Italy realizing how bad this issue is, and they're actually going to start to do something, yet our government isn't going to follow suit. You know, they're going to put up a blockade because their laws allow them. We can't do a blockade. Even if we stretched our border hand-in-hand -hand with Border Patrol agents, that group of 2,200 migrants that crossed the border, we can't push them back into Mexico. So we can't stop them from coming. We have to take them into custody. But there are other things that this Let's see this train. Yeah, right there's the train. Because the New York Mayor Adams and the New York Democratic Governor Hochul are concerned that this is so out of control of the border, especially when it's talking about, you know. This is absolutely crazy to me. And he has a good point about what's going on in Italy, except in Italy, the island itself that he's referring to is actually getting to the point where immigrants are outnumbering Italian citizens. It's genuinely unbelievable what's happening there. But they at least appear to be taking steps to stop this from continuing, unlike America, honestly. And, and the absolute state of American agencies is blowing my mind. I have never had less confidence in these institutions than I do right now. And that is really saying something. I have never liked them very much. But this is really a new low. But let's see what a... Someone who grew up in the Soviet Union has to say to A.G. Garland on the GO the Judiciary GOP's uh, whatever they were listening to. They were grilling Merrick Garland today, which was awesome. And this lady who grew up in the Soviet Union has a lot to say about the fact that um, hardworking Americans, she says, including my constituents, are afraid of political persecution by their own government. So it's not just... Censorship. It's not just invasion of privacy. It is political persecution. At this point, I think it is safe and fair to say that the American government itself is actively at odds with the ordinary American people. And I don't know what to do with that information. That seems like a bad place to be. If I recall correctly, the last time we were in a situation like this was sometime in the 1770s. Can't recall exactly, but let's hear what she has to say. Attorney General, you had a very moving statement about your grandparents coming here uh, from Belarus to live in the country without fear of prosecution. I grew up in very similar country, Ukraine now, and when I came here as a young person, I believed in the value as an American not to be afraid of my government. But I wanted to tell you, and I want to share with you and get your thoughts on that. Are you aware that a lot of Americans are now uh, afraid of being prosecuted by your department? Are you aware about that? Are you aware of that? 
I'm just saying, are you aware or not? I think that uh, constant attacks on the department and saying no, it's that not attacks. Well, let me let me give you an example. I don't know we talk what... about January 6. People. I'm sorry. Yeah, there, there some people came on January 6. There probably were some people that came on January 6 here, you know, that had bad intent. But a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came. They were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agent to people's houses. You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll share some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question. You're probably not a bad person. I don't know you. But, well, I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow work investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, ever since the slow walk. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walk. Then, by the time, you know, that investigation and its statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. I did not realize what a terror she would be on when we hit play. I'd forgotten how involved she was with this discussion. I had a coworker once who was from Ukraine, and she was very similar in terms of outspoken, direct, forthright, not afraid, honestly, truly a female role model because she's not afraid to say exactly what she's thinking. And I honestly have to give this lady credit because good for her actually speaking up on behalf of her constituents, right? And she is, she's got a point as somebody who came from the former Soviet Union, she knows what it's like to see persecution from your government of the ordinary people. It should never be the situation in which the government, big bag, scary monster, is at odds with a small individual person on the ground level. It should never be the case. Our founding fathers would be furious to learn that this was happening in their country nonetheless. This is never something that should happen here. But here we are. And it is infuriating to me as as much as it is to her. Honestly, it sounds like she's much more eloquent about this stuff. She's clearly thought very deeply about it. And of course, she has that personal connection to having lived in the former Soviet Union. And I got to give her credit for that. Someone needs to say this to him. Not that it will make any difference. But I hope that people watching this will hear what she's saying and recognize what exactly the government is up to because they are not up to anything good. They are not looking out for Americans' best interests. They are willing to invade our privacy. They are not willing to invade the privacy of people who could be actual terrorists who came into our country illegally.
that would harm their privacy or something. <sighs> really, really, really frustrating. But I'm really glad she said it. Um, I doubt that Merrick Garland is going to take any of that to heart. And I just want to drive home to you guys, too. I know a lot of people are Trump fans over here. Um, the reason that Merrick Garland is not on the Supreme Court today is because none other than Mitch McConnell said no when Obama tried to put him in. That man could be on the United States Supreme Court. That should terrify you and it should make you have a little bit of respect for Mitch McConnell because there's not a, pretty much not a day that goes by that I'm not grateful that that man is not on our Supreme Court panel. And he is just a sight to behold. Username says Merrick Garland is probably taking notes from how the KGB operates. Yes, and that's something she was mentioning too. And I would not be surprised at all by that because he was just openly lying about David Weiss and all this other stuff and no one's ever going to hold him accountable. And at the end of the day, that's a really big problem because the situation we're in right now is because we chose not to hold our politicians accountable. We let them stay in office until they're 95 years old. We don't care what they say. We don't care what they think as long as they're in our party. That is not going to fly. It's not working anymore and we need to change it. So hopefully this is the year that we get some kind of actual change. I don't see it myself. But I think if we don't come up with some kind of alternative to this, we're just going to continue running into this kind of problem. And I think eventually enough people are going to get sick enough of it, then change will happen. But we'll see. We will see for sure. Um, let's look. Oh, yeah. Speaking of January 6th, I thought this was great. The FBI lost count of how many undercover informants it had at the Capitol on January 6th. As a result, the agency had to perform an audit to find out how many confidential human sources run by different field offices were there. The FBI lost track of how many paid informants the agency had at the Capitol January 6, 2021. As a result, had to perform an audit to find out how many confidential human sources run by different field officials offices were there that day, according to a bombshell new report. Go away, Ad. I don't want you. I wanted to close you. Thank you. Uh, Post Millennial has the most laden site. So many ads, no way to get rid of them. Miranda Devine of the New York Post reported on Tuesday uh, that Stephen Dantuno, formerly in charge of the Bureau's Washington field office, told lawmakers behind closed doors at a House Judiciary Committee hearing that at least one informant was communicating with his FBI handler as he entered the Capitol. Yeah, is anyone sur surprised? Because I'm certainly not. He reportedly testified that his office was aware before the January 6th riot that some of them for their informants would be at the Stop the Steal rally on D.C.'s Ellipse, where the President Donald Trump spoke. However, he claimed that he only learned afterward that informants run by other field offices were also at the Capitol. So, good job communicating, guys. He added that as a result, the Washington field office asked the FBI headquarters to do a poll or put out something to people saying, were any CHSs involved? So they could find out how large the FBI surveillance operations were at the Capitol on January 6th. According to him, responses from FBI headquarters revealed which field offices had planted confidential informants into the crowd, which included at least one paid informant from the Kansas City field office who was in communication with his FBI handler while the crowd surged into the Capitol, saying that they were going in, they were trying to stop some of the action happening and they left or whatnot. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan described his testimony as extremely concerning in a letter written to FBI Director Christopher Wray on Tuesday. Jordan wrote, 
that the testimony suggests that the FBI cannot adequately track the activities and operations of its informants and that it lost control of its CHS's presence at the Capitol on January 6th. This is kind of earth shattering. Like this is kind of a huge deal. And, um, I'm losing hope that we'll ever have accountability for this, but I have to say at the same time, I am very impressed with what all the work Jim Jordan is putting in on this. Um, James Comer is really focusing in on this stuff and really trying to get answers and hold people accountable for what happened, especially on January 6th. But Jordan added the justice department inspector general also identified critical problems in the FBI's CHS program, including the FBI's failure to fully vet CHSs and the FBI's willingness to ignore red flags that would call into questions and informants reliability. Jordan requested that Ray provide a substantive brief briefing on how the FBI used paid informants on January 6th, as well as any specific guidelines or admonishments that were provided to their CHSs prior to deploying, along with all debriefing documents from the January 6th riot informants. According to the Post, former Capitol Hill Police Chief Stephen Sund had previously said that the FBI also had at least 18 undercover agents in the crowd, plus another 20 from the Department of Homeland Security. So, that's not really shocking, but disturbing. I don't love it, and it just smacks of utter incompetence, and I have to say that I'm not a big fan of that, because if they're not snooping on us, spying on us, and trying to control our speech, they are actively dropping people into our midst who are spying on us, and they can't even keep track of those people, and I find that kind of disgusting. I don't know about you guys. Let me see if I can actually block the ads on this. Some sites just will not let you block ads at all, like this one. I'm afraid Fox is not going to let me use it if I if I block ads. So annoying. But I know. Everybody got to make money. I understand. Let's read this one next. New York City to consider removing statues of George Washington. Create reparations task force amid budget cuts. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said last week that the influx of tens of thousands of migrants will bring a financial tsunami. Mm-hmm. As New York City is crippled under monumental budget cuts due to a migrant crisis straining public resources, the City Council is planning to consider a series of measures that would, among other things, remove statues of major historical figures like George Washington and create a reparations task force because they have so much money to spend on this stuff. The items are included in New York, City, New York City's Council agenda for Tuesday, September 19th. The Council's Cultural Affairs Committee will hold a public hearing on a measure to remove works of art on city property that depict a person who owned enslaved persons or directly benefited economically from slavery or who participated in systemic crimes against indigenous peoples or other crimes against humanity. The criteria would include figures like America's first president, George Washington, Dutch governor and New York settler Peter Stuyvesant, as well as Christopher Columbus, all of whom have statues throughout the city because they are significant key players in American history. And if we can't come to terms with the way things were back then, that's our problem, not theirs. If the Public Design Commission determined not to remove the work of art, then it would be required to include a plan to install an explanatory plaque next to the work of art. The proposal would also require PDC to consult with the Department of Education to install plaques on sidewalks or other public space adjacent to schools named after a person that fits the criteria. My first instinct when reading about this was to say, we just need the meteorite to come now. But upon further reflection, I think what New York City really needs is about 
500,000 more illegal immigrants shipped to their city so that they don't have time to do this kind of thing. Because frankly, I'm shocked that they can do this. I'm shocked that they are considering reparations when they don't even have money to do their basic normal stuff they're always trying to do. We know cities waste a bunch of money doing a bunch of politically correct stuff. Whatever. It's New York City. They're going to waste a bunch of money. That's just how it is. Hopefully it's just from their state, not federal funds. But at the end of the day, my conclusion is that they need more pressure on them and they need to feel the full effect of illegal immigration so they can't do this kind of nonsense because I am tired of it and they've been complaining nonstop about having something like 10,000 migrants being shipped to their city. So I think that we should up those numbers. I think those are rookie numbers and I think that they should be so busy that they don't have time to think about this. Um... Yeah. Use Brave Browser. Nope. I use Opera Browser. Brave Browser does not work with Fox News site. It also doesn't work with DailyMail.com, unfortunately. Username says, having worked in government and being subjected to government audits, going to put money on it being quite a lax audit indeed. Texas Rangers, welcome in. Username says, next statue they'll get rid of is Balto because he helped save white kids from dying of sickness. Very likely, unfortunately. So, speaking on, on the topic that we kicked this off with, I want to kind of touch back on this interesting story about this Democrat in Virginia. But let's do that after we talk about Rumble, because Rumble had something really interesting to say to the government. So if you guys have been following the Russell Brand story, it got really interesting today because the government of the UK actually reached out to, I think it was TikTok, um, and said, hey, by the way, just so you know, Russell Brand might be being able to monetize the videos that he has up on your site. It might have been Spotify. I don't remember what site it was. Let's read what Rumble had to say when they sent, when the UK government sent them a note. Rumble rejects UK government's pressure to demonetize Russell Brand amid allegations. The UK government's Culture, Media, and Sport Committee has questioned Rumble over whether it plans to take action against Russell Brand. Amidst a growing controversy surrounding comedian Russell Brand, video platform Rumble has taken a stand against the UK government's push to penalize the content creator based on recent allegations. Last week, the Times and Channel 4's dispatches covered serious allegations of assault against Russell Brand, while the comedian has yet to be convicted of any wrongdoing and whether the anonymous accusers are victims is yet to be determined. Several major platforms, including YouTube, Netflix, and BBC's iPlayer, took swift action either demonetizing or removing his content. Quote, we would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his content, including his videos relating to serious allegations against him. If so, we would like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money on the platform. Wrote Dame Caroline Denenich in the Brazen Letter. That is frankly unbelievable. I'm actually shocked. I shouldn't be, but I am. We know how things are in the UK. The The US is following along in their footsteps. So, Culture, Media, and Sport Committee, Chris Pavlovsky, CEO, Rumble, uh, Dear Chris, I'm writing concerning the serious allegation regarding Russell Brand in the context of his being a content provider on Rumble with more than 1.4 million followers. The Culture, Media, and Sport Committee is raising questions, just asking questions, with the broadcasters and production companies who previously employed Mr. Brand to examine both the culture of the industry 
in the past and whether that culture still prevails today. However, we are also looking at his use of social media, including on Rumble, where he issued his preemptive response to the accusations made against him by the Sunday Times and Channel 4's dispatches. While we recognize that Rumble's not the creator of the content published by Mr. Brand, that's right, they're a platform, not a publisher. You would do well to remember that, Dame Caroline. We are concerned that he may be able to profit from his content on the platform. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with someone being able to profit from the fruit of their labor? I would genuinely like to know. It's truly disgusting that the UK is even asking this. We would be grateful if you could confirm whether Mr. Brand is able to monetize his content, including his videos relating to the serious accusations against him. If so, we would like to know whether Rumble intends to join YouTube in suspending Mr. Brand's ability to earn money on the platform. We would also like to know what Rumble's doing to ensure that creators are not able to use the platform to undermine the welfare of victims of inappropriate and potentially illegal behavior. Yours sincerely, Caroline Denenich. I just, I don't really have the energy to pour in the absolute vitriol that I feel about this letter into my tone. So just factor it in. Rumble, however, has chosen a different route from the other platforms. In response to the inquiry from the UK's Culture, Media and Sports Committee regarding brand's monetization, Rumble CEO Chris Pavlovsky issued a statement emphasizing the company's commitment to a free internet. In a clear stance against cancel culture and rushes to judgment, Pavlovsky responded, stressing that allegations against Brand have no connection to his content on Rumble. He pointed out the importance of a free internet, where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard. Quote, Today we received an extremely disturbing letter from a committee chair in the UK Parliament. While Rumble obviously deplores sexual assault, rape, and all serious crimes and believes that they, both the alleged victims and the accused are entitled to a full and serious investigation, it is vital to note that recent allegations against Russell Brand have nothing to do with content on Rumble's platform. Just yesterday, YouTube announced that that, based solely on these media accusations, it was barring Mr. Brand from monetizing his video content. Rumble stands for very different values. We have devoted ourselves to the vital cause of defending a free internet, meaning an internet where no one arbitrarily dictates which ideas can or cannot be heard or which citizens may or may not be entitled to a platform. We regard it as deeply inappropriate and dangerous that the UK Parliament would attempt to control who is allowed to speak on our platform or to earn a living from doing so. Singling out an individual and demanding his ban is even more disturbing given the, absence, given the absence of any connection between the allegations and his content on Rumble. We may not agree with his behavior of many, with the behavior of many Rumble creators, but we refuse to penalize them for actions that have nothing to do with our platform. Although it may be politically and socially easier for Rumble to join a cancel culture mob, doing so would be a violation of our company's values and mission. We emphatically reject the UK's Parliament's demands. Good. While the letter from Rumble did acknowledge the seriousness of crimes like sexual assault, it underscored the importance of not penalizing creators for allegations unrelated to the platform. He also raised concerns over the government's attempt to influence who's allowed to speak or earn on Rumble, especially singling out individuals based on allegations. Right. The unfolding situation surrounding Russell Brand draws attention to a broader discussion on cancel culture, the role of tech platforms, and the overreach of the government in regulating online content. For now, Rumble remains com- committed to its principles, rejecting the call to join a growing number of platforms penalizing Brand based on accusations. 
As the story progresses, the debate over freedom of speech online and the impact of allegations on creators' livelihoods is likely to intensify. I cannot wrap my mind around the concept of a government of a country asking a platform why they are that why they're allowing someone to earn a living given that there are allegations unproven possibly unfounded no one knows hasn't gone to court yet based on allegations against them that's crazy absolutely crazy <sighs> the king is a lizard and bbc is a snake in the grass interesting this has nothing to do with the king but go on Whisper says, insanity. It's wild to think the West adopted Nazi, ta- Nazi tendencies. Indeed. Bill says, I was criticized on Twitter years ago for saying the cartels were moving into LA and Oregon and Seattle. I was laughed at. Now there's fentanyl everywhere. Indeed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Someone gains traction on the conservative side, or at least not the, tr- the bat crap crazy side, and accusations of wrongdoing now surface. Color me surprised, right? We were talking about that yesterday because that happened to Joe Rogan. It happened to Tucker Carlson. It's happened to everybody who has kind of flipped the narrative and especially someone like Russell Brand who used to actually be part of Hollywood. They are now freaking out about like they, they cannot let this stand. They cannot let him hold his own ideas. They have to shut him down because he's offering people a way out of the matrix. Speaking of absolute insanity, and then I think I'm going to have to wrap it up because I can't breathe. This tweet from CBS News is fantastic. Check it out. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is drumming a message of, quote, medical freedom, close quote, that some critics view as, quote, dangerous, close quote. So, holy cow. First of all, thank goodness Siraj Hashmi is putting them on the list. That's nuts to me. Um, let's see if the frog of shame has more upvotes than this post. If the frog of shame gets more likes than the original tweet, then your tweet really sucks. Yes, of course, it has many, many, many more likes than the actual tweet, which is ratioed 680 comments to 196 retweets. Wild. Wild. So, they're saying stuff like this about DeSantis because... Trump is not giving them anything like this to fire at. DeSantis is. With Trump, they're saying things like, oh, he's being indicted, he's a criminal, etc. We know it's all a bunch of nonsense, whatever. Ron DeSantis is actually saying, hey, maybe we should let people make their own medical decisions instead of forcing them to do something that they don't want to do because they think it will hurt them. And the mainstream media does not like that. Honestly, I think if the mainstream media doesn't like you, you're on the right side of history. Let's read what the actual article says. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis injects (laughs) presidential politics into the COVID vaccine debate. Wow. Well, imagine if Democrat leaders were to, quote, inject (laughs) presidential politics into the COVID debate, just like President Biden did. Remember that? He was going to stop the virus. As Americans consider whether to take advice from federal health officials and get an updated COVID vaccine, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is drumming the message that ignited his national political career. Ignore what the federal government tells you about COVID-19. Yes, CBS, that's exactly what he's saying. And it turned out to be correct. So you can go, yeah, kick rocks. Last week, his polling showed him running a second to Donald Trump for the Republican presidential nomination. He convened a virtual roundtable featuring a panel of COVID vaccine skeptics. 
Their mission? To swat away the FDA's findings that the new shots are safe and effective for those six, six months and older. Nowhere else in the world, no other country in the world is telling children, telling people six months and older that they need to get a COVID vaccine. It is insane, utterly insane to me that our public health officials think that this is the way to go because what pre- because what Governor DeSantis is saying about the COVID vaccine is exactly what the rest of the world is saying about it. The problem in the U.S. is that we have big pharmacies, big pharmaceutical companies. We have Pfizer. We have BioNTech. We have all of this other stuff. These are the people who are benefiting off this. They are getting major major money from the government to do this, this free COVID vaccine. And for this reason, our public health officials are telling us, and I really don't care if YouTube demonetizes this because it's true. Our public health officials are telling us that it is necessary for people six months of age and older. People six months of age are like this big. Okay. I don't know if you can see my hands. They're like the size of a loaf of bread. They are children so small, they are not walking and talking yet. And our public health officials are telling us that those people who statistically never, ever, 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 ever get or spread COVID need this vaccine for a, for an illness that doctors confess they cannot distinguish from a cold or allergies. I, I think I'm probably so wound up about this because I'm about to have a kid. And if someone comes up to me and says, thank God we live in Florida. Thank God we live in Florida. Because I guarantee you that if I lived in a state like Massachusetts, Illinois, Michigan, or some of these other states, people would be telling me that I needed to vaccinate my child once they turned six months old. And I would not respond well to that. This is insane to me. CBS News is taking issue with what Ron DeSantis is saying, knowing fully well that the rest of the world holds this exact view. But for them, they are in league with Pfizer. They have to pretend that what he's saying is dangerous, even though it tracks perfectly with exactly what the rest of the world is doing with great success. I just love the concept that freedom is being called by some critics dangerous. Terrifying, isn't it? Let me see if we can find out who said dangerous. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Who is it? Salmon. His name's Salmon. Who's Salmon? Daniel Salmon, a vaccine expert at Johns Hopkins who watched the round table, said he took issue with a claim that there wasn't clinical data supporting the new vaccine's safe use. Like the flu vaccine, the primary COVID vaccines went through clinical trials and there wouldn't be time to conduct one every time a new strain emerged, he said. Well, the good news about the new strains is that, as we read yesterday, doctors cannot differentiate between the new strains and the cold. Also, we know for a fact that this vaccine was tested on 10 mice and similar numbers of rats. That was how they tested it. And they're saying that they can't test it on more because they need to get it out fast because there's a new strain, which again, need I remind you, is indistinguishable from the common cold. Blowing my mind. Absolutely blowing my mind. 
They don't know COVID, Salmon says. They're cherry-picking facts to defend their position, and they don't have the expertise to make those decisions for a large number of people. Governor DeSantis successfully told everyone in Florida that they could make their own decisions. And you know what happened? Not everyone in Florida died. Very few people comparatively died in Florida, although we need to take into account that a lot of older people live in Florida. It felt to me like they were trying to sow doubt, he said, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous to doubt government officials, says Mr. Salmon. Harumph! How dare you doubt public health officials? What reason could you possibly have for doubting the people who all they tried to do was get you fired for not wearing a piece of fabric over your face? They tried to get you fired for not taking a shot that you were worried would be dangerous. They told you that you were crazy for saying that it affected your monthly cycle if you were a woman. You're probably just hysterical, right? If you thought that this was affecting your monthly cycle. Oh, but wait, then they looked back and actually it does affect that. Oh, whoopsie. No big deal. Don't worry about it. They won't talk about how whether it causes miscarriages in pregnant women. They won't talk about the role it plays in breastfeeding women. I have looked at this stuff because it would be affecting me if I had taken it. And thank God, neither Andy nor I caved in and got it. Absolutely wild to me. This is a way for him to exploit the issue, though it may come at the expense of lives of anyone who would listen to him in Florida and elsewhere. Well, it didn't. Good news. What happened in Florida was that it turned out that giving people freedom to make their own medical decisions and not shutting down Georgia and not putting pressure on DeSantis like Trump did, turned out that giving people medical freedom to make their own decisions actually was really good for people. Turned out to be great for the state. Turned out to be great for the individual people. Turned out that everyone was fine. Florida could open up again after just like a month and a half of being shut down for all intents and purposes. And yeah, turns out that Ron DeSantis did everything right and Daniel Salmon can go, uh, go get stuffed. Honestly, stuffed and served. He's a salmon, but I digress. Really, really upset about it. Anyway, (laughs) Did Biden cure cancer? He is not yet. Not that I'm aware. Sorenko says, how many six-month-olds have died to COVID? None! I bet it's less than the number of six-month-olds who will have side effects from the vaccine. Yes, correct. Yes, all vaccines have side effects since each person's body slash immune system is different. Of course, correct. But I would never vaccinate a child for something that... for I would never vaccinate a child for shingles. Let's put it that way. Because only people over a certain age are going to get shingles. Um, and there are just people who are not at risk for certain diseases, and those people should not be put at risk of having the side effects from a vaccination that they really don't need. And at the end of the day, that's what we're looking at here. Bill says money talks and parents walk. Absolutely. Username says I've been on the fence for vaccines for a long time. After watching Candace Owens' A Shot in the Dark series, I've decided against vaccines for my kids. No shame. Oh, and homeschooling them too. Let me know how it works for you. I am fully, I fully respect vaccines. I know what they're intended to do. I know they do have some positive effects, but I also know that there are, of course, side effects to everything. And that's something you need to take into account. You should always have the option to say, I am not going to do this, right? In fact, I am going out of my way very carefully to choose a pediatrician who will hopefully give us that option. And I can't believe that even needs to be something that I take into account when looking for a doctor in this great supposedly free country, right? Shouldn't even be a question. Shouldn't even be up for consideration. It should be a case of, actually, I don't think we're going to do that. And then you don't have to do it because they're your children. 
and you are the final arbiter of what happens to them. Now, if you want your kid to die, they're going to argue with you and be like, oh, your kid's going to die if you don't do this. Then you have to decide, is that actually true? How can I find out if that's actually true? Can I talk to somebody who really knows the data about this? Somebody who's well-versed in these scientific papers? Crazy. Crazy to me. All right, you guys, I'm going to wrap it here. I hope you all have a great night. We're not going to talk about the crazy sex worker who was running for office in Virginia. I will only say that I hope that the backlash to what she did, selling herself online for money, I hope and pray that the backlash to what she did will be so huge, so gigantic, and so stunning that young girls will look at what happened to her and say, you know what, it's probably not in my own best interest to, for example, go out on OnlyFans or get on one of these other sites like she was using. Disgusting, horrifying, revolting stuff. And I think that young girls should be reminded that it can end their careers before they begin. But hopefully that what, that's what happens here. I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, Sarenko says, if you're not able to do homeschooling, recommend checking your school district's policy on vaccines too. Yes. Some will give you a religious exemption, not many though, unfortunately, and schools do have the power to say, actually, we're not going to teach your kid if you don't have vaccines. So it is what it is. Oh my, my doctor at Kaiser was asked to retire after she agreed to me not getting the shot. How interesting. You know, it's funny. We had Kaiser for a while and they never put any kind of pressure on us to get the shot at all, uh, ever, ever. And I use a service called Forward. Uh, up on the East Coast in the DMV area. And they also never asked that question and they were super helpful. And I really appreciated their help as well. Even though we were in a heavily blue part of the country, they did really, really well. The only time I ever felt pressured to get the vaccine was when we were in Massachusetts. And that doesn't surprise me at all. They're super, super progressive, but nowhere else. Yeah. So, all right, you guys, I will see you all tomorrow. Until next time, remember what we say over here, stay safe, stay well. Stay out of Target. Until next time.